Hey, it's Andrew, and I wanted to thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. Did you know that you can subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast on Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or wherever you get your podcasts to have new episodes delivered to your feed twice a week on Wednesday and Friday? All you have to do is pick up your phone, navigate to your podcast app, and search for Door County or Door County Pulse podcast and click subscribe. If you're a longtime listener or if this is your first episode, we hope you enjoy the Door County Pulse podcast. Hello and welcome to One on One, a Door County Pulse interview series. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined today by Lars Topelman and Monique McLean from Pearl Wine Cottage. How are you guys doing? Great. Doing good. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Aaliyah had the chance to talk with you guys and she wrote an article for The Pulse last week about Pearl Wine Cottage. So thank you guys for coming in. I wanted to chat a little bit more about it. Maybe we could just start by telling me kind of a, a basic overview. What is Pearl Wine Cottage? Pearl Wine Cottage is a small wine bar featuring European wines predominantly, few American wines as well, and some South American wines, so New World and Old World. And we have some small plates also to go with the wine. We have wines by the glass and or bottle to be consumed on premise and a little conviviality and fun, hopefully, for people. It's a small little space in Ephraim in a gorgeous little old cottage that was originally the butcher shop, I guess, Larson Larson's Early on in Ephraim. And we're there, you know, just welcoming people in and hoping they have a nice time and maybe try some new wines that they hadn't had before. You guys opened up on August 9th, right? Yeah, I think we had a soft opening with some yes. friends on the 9th. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, well, tell me about the journey leading up to your opening. Uh, I know that you renovated the building. Tell me about how you guys, you know, found the building and, and took it through the steps to getting it open. Well, the building actually belongs to my father, and it's on his property, the Hanseatic Art Gallery. He and my mom bought it in 1970, and they renovated it into a art gallery, and there was three cottages there that had a, a kind of resort flavor, and then they rented them out for a while, and then there was a bookstore in the cottage that we're in now, which we called the White Cottage. There was a blue cottage and a red cottage, so the three cottages were on the lot, and the uh, White Cottage was the closest one to the street and the smallest one. Like Monique said, it was a butcher shop way, way, way in the early days and then uh, became the uh, resort. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it was a bookshop and a couple other small things. And then uh, we asked my father, hey, how about having a wine shop? I'm not sure if that was the proper sequence of, of things. I think it had to do with the allowing of alcohol in Ephraim. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was about... the, one of the biggest steps for us to consider this as a place for our business. Well, a few things kind of happened. Probably about three and a half years ago, Lars's mom got pretty sick. And so he and his sister came here to be with her. And during the summer, he was here for about six weeks, I think. Six weeks, and yeah. we were living in Portland at the time. And he would call me and say, that's so sad, you know, with my mom. And But I have to say that Door County is just so beautiful. I'd been visiting for 30 years ever since I met Lars in Chicago. But, you know, only staying a couple of weeks at a time mostly. So he said, you know, I think we should move here. And I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we'd been living in Portland. It was our home. We'd been there for 26 years or so. And then when Lars's mom passed away, his father was here by himself. And there's really no other family here. And we were at a point in our lives when our two boys, Karsten and Finn, had graduated from high school, were out in the world and college and everything. And we were sort of looking for something else to do or something new to do. And 
And we thought, uh, hey, what about Door County? And that is, I was here for five, six weeks, and it was very sad, but it was also pretty awesome to be in Door County for that length of time because since I grew up here, I hadn't really spent more than, you know, a couple of weeks up here visiting and it was recreating and, you know, windsurfing and swimming and, you know, running around the county. So having five weeks to really kind of sink in and, and feel the county again as an older adult, it was pretty cool. That saying is, as one chapter comes to an end, another right. chapter begins. Exactly. Um, so it's bittersweet to hear mm-hmm. that everything kind of lined up in that way and you guys were able to take that next step in your lives. Right as you were, you know, celebrating your mom's life. But you talked a little bit about your ties to Ephraim and, and your father. Your father's an artist in Ephraim, correct? Yes. In fact, both of my parents were artists, and uh, they uh, opened the gallery in 1970, like I said, and they really worked super hard painting every day and having long hours. I think they were up from 10 in the morning till 10 at night when they first started. So my father actually still runs the gallery. He's 90 paints every day. He's, he's pretty much possessed. <laughs> and he loves it. He paints the watercolors and beautiful oils. So he runs the gallery still only two days a week. So did you grow up in Door County then? Yeah, I was born in Chicago, but we moved up in 1970. So I was nine then. So pretty much growing up in middle school, high school, and would graduate from Gibraltar High School. Go Vikings. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, went to Milwaukee, MATC, studied photography, and then uh, went to Ohio, and uh, went back to Chicago, and that's where Monique and I met. So I was a photo assistant in the, uh, in the advertising photography market in Chicago. And then we met. I was going to graduate school at the School of the Art Institute, uh, studying art therapy. And we actually met at a bar. Yeah. <laughs> but there was a photo show going on, so Right, it was there's the connection. I yeah. was yeah. like, wait a minute, you were both into, you know, art and that kind of stuff, but you met at yeah. a bar. Yeah. So tell me, Monique, how did wine come into your life? When I... Graduated from college in um, Florida, and I moved to Key West. I had a roommate who had studied in Italy, and she sort of introduced me to wine. And it was basically grocery store wine, because that's kind of what we knew and could afford. Right. <laughs> and then when I moved to Chicago, I started learning a little bit more. But even when I lived in Key West, we met this gentleman from Germany who actually was a wine salesman. He came to our house, and he introduced us to some different wines that I'd never even had before, some Rieslings. And I thought, wow, that's kind of cool. But, you know, then I was doing my own career and going to graduate school. And I always enjoyed trying new things, but wasn't really immersed in it. Then when we got married and moved to Portland, Lars had a photography business. I ended up working with him. I was the studio manager. But on Friday nights with our group of friends, we would have the Friday night fiasco. Someone would host it, and the deal was you had to bring the best bottle of wine you could for the least amount of money, and we would kind of vote on what was the best wine. So I think I've always been interested and just enjoying the taste and the history and all the different things about wine, but I really started to get more immersed in it probably about 10 years ago. I went to this little place in Portland with a group of women, and we would do this Great Decisions, kind of a book club sort of thing. And we went to this wine bar, and she had all sorts of different wines. It was called uh, Everyday Wine. Everyday Wine. Yeah. So I started to learn more and more about it. And then I thought, wouldn't it be fun to own a wine bar? Then I thought, really, if you're going to do that, you probably need to know a little bit more about wine. So I found out that there were these classes in Portland through the Wine and Spirit Education Trust, which is out of London. And it's a curriculum that is taught worldwide by certified instructors. So I took the second level and passed the test at the end. I hadn't taken a test since I was in college, so it was kind of 
intimidating, but I did really well. And the whole process of the course is really great because you sit with a bunch of other students and you actually taste different wines and you just learn about the different varietals and where they're grown and the different regions and winemaking processes. And so I thought, this is really cool. And I did well enough on the test that I thought, okay, I'm going to take the next level. So I did that. And then when I was finished, I would go back to these alumni tastings and people would say, oh, do you work in the industry? And I'd say, well, no, not yet, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. And then a friend of ours owned a place with she and her husband and his family owned a place called Pasta Works. And on Facebook, she had an ad saying they were looking for a wine retail person. So I sent her a message because I thought at this point, we'd been in the business for a long time and I was kind of tired of sitting in front of the computer and dialing for She was basically dial- doing dollars. all of the uh, uh, the tough work. I was out taking photos and she was <laughs> dealing with money. and t- Right. And you got to be outside all day. Yeah. And, and she was kind of handling all the nitty gritty, but it was very important. And it was a, basically a family run operation. Yeah. With the, and it was uh, fun. It was really fun. We had a great time doing all those jobs, big jobs and things. But so I ended up getting a job working as a wine steward in a little shop, Pasta Works on Hawthorne Boulevard in Portland. And then the DeGarmos opened a new market, a European style market with five different owners leasing this space. So there was really great produce. Postworks had amazing cheese and charcuterie and then a huge wine selection, predominantly European wines, pretty big Italian section. But you got to actually set up the whole wine cottage, called it the wine cottage. Yes. With, <laughs> so. with my boss, Kevin DeGarmo, it's, you know, guidance, we set up this wine room. And so... For three years, I worked at Pasta Works and got to meet with all sorts of reps and winemakers and taste wine and select wine. When I started, they said, okay, well, we have something that's just begun. It's a wine club. And so we would like you to build it. And I thought, okay, well, I can try this. And so we started with 24-ish people in the wine club. And when I left, we had about 200. And oftentimes they were couples. We had two different boxes, an everyday box and a premium box. And each month we had the wine club release. And so every month I had to come up with six new wines and research them and make sure that they fit the taste profiles and the pricing. It sounds like you were able to really kind of uh, prototype in a way. You were able to get the experience of starting from scratch and building something and Mm -hmm. then you were able to bring it up here. And I love too, it sounds like you guys are describing this like wonderfully diplomatic relationship that you've had where it's (laughs) like, you know, I'm going to go do my thing and you can help me with that for a time and now let's flip and we'll we'll pursue your passion and we'll do your thing for, you know, the next stage of, of life. And I think that's wonderful as a couple to be able to be like, all right, let's flip it now. Let's do something different and something totally exciting. Why don't we take a break? And then when we get back, I want to start with the renovation process because you totally, from the ground up, rebuilt the inside of the location, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I want to talk about that. And then I want to talk about your opening and your plans for the future and all of that kind of stuff. Sounds Sounds great. great. They call themselves the Stradivarius Builders of Sturgeon Bay because the guys at Palmer Johnson were artists in wood and metalwork, anything you imagine. They did it so beautifully well. The first fishermen came down the lake from Pankin Island, worked their way along the north shore of Lake Michigan, and they came because of the whitefish. The whitefish were abundant. In 1945, 2,000 German prisoners of war came to Door County and picked cherries for just one harvest season. Peninsula Filmworks is dedicated to telling the stories of Door County, past, present, and future. 
To learn more about the history of shipbuilding in Sturgeon Bay, to see how the cherry became a Door County icon, or to watch the peninsula's last remaining fishermen brave the waters to haul in thousands of pounds of whitefish daily, and the many other incredible stories produced with the Door County Visitor Bureau, visit doorcounty.com slash ourdoorcounty. Okay, we are back. So uh, we talked a little bit about the building, but uh, tell me about the renovation process. What all had to be done to get open? Where to start? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the cottage is actually, was actually pretty cute when we started. I mean, it definitely had shown its age, and there'd been a fair amount of delayed maintenance, I would say. But, but yeah, family had been staying there. And as our boys and Lars's sister's boys got older, we all vacationed kind of at the same time. And so the boys were like, could we stay out in the cabin? So Lars's sister, Lisa, painted the whole place and made it look great and cleaned it all up. And so that was good. It looked good. Yeah, it, it definitely looked good, but it, it had, you know, it needed serious updating. And to have a commercial space in there, it really right. needed to be updated. So we basically went in there. We started in, uh, I think, January. No, we started March. in March, uh, and uh, we just went after it. I mean, we tore walls off, uh, and we did this all ourselves. I mean, we basically— with some uh, help from with some, some help. people. From yes, yes. Taylor Miller was awesome and helped us out a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, with a 100-year-old cottage, every time you pull off a board, there are all sorts of great surprises. Right. Yeah, we call it opening the can of worms. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, underneath the cottage, you know, there the support, we had to put in more supports underneath. Up in the attic, Taylor and Lars walked up and we were looking at things and Lars said, I think this floor needs to be supported. And then they walked on it and realized, oh, it's particle board. And yeah. then we pulled that up and then, oh, the ceiling joist, you know. Need to be resupported. So yes. we got LVL beams and put them in there. And then but basically we, we went along and we had a plan where we thought uh, the bar could be in the kitchen and, you know, basically the layout and the flow of the place. And it changed a little bit as we went along, which is kind of fun because you're living in the space as you're renovating it, really spending a lot of time, mm -hmm. you know, in there. <laughs> And, uh, you know, looking at the flow and putting the blue tape on the floor and on the walls and figuring out where things would be. But basically, we redid the electrical. We redid the plumbing, put an HVAC. Uh, we did a little bit of insulating, although the windows are not insulated. It's not a winterized cottage. Sure. So we did all that, and uh, I think we did a pretty good job of keeping the character of the old cottage and bringing in some newer kind of modern flavors of comfort and, mm -hmm. and, and sort of style. Yeah, I right. think so. We, and we had great help. I mean, honestly, like I said, from Taylor, but also, you know, there are other people up here like Katie and Andy Gill from Heirloom and uh, Sarah and Colin Donnelly from Roots and just talking to everybody. And like Katie suggested, oh, you know, for restaurant plan, there's a great guy in Green Bay, Marty Seaman. He helped us out with things and we talked to him. And as a consultant, we showed him our initial plan. And then he said, do you mind if I work with this a little bit? And he came up with a really great plan, which is the layout that we have now. And he helped us with equipment because we've never opened a restaurant before. So we didn't know exactly what kind of equipment we needed. But, you know, dealing with what the health department requirements are, what the building inspection requirements are, and all of those things. It was a process, but it was actually really a great process. And I feel like people were good collaborators with us, you know. I think people are excited to see new businesses come in to the county and... I definitely felt support from everybody from the village on down, don't you? Absolutely. And we're and we're right on Church Street, which is one of the main side streets in Ephraim. Right. And so uh, during the cityscape construction, 42 is rerouted to go down Church Street. So we had all this traffic. 
all of our friends would would stop over and see where we were and hey what are you doing now and uh, what, what are you working on? It was actually, sometimes it was hard to get work done because we spent a lot of time <laughs> visiting with friends. Right. And then we would have uh, sometimes a twice, three times a visit from my father who lives on the property. So he would come over and he wanted to see what was new. And, and a lot of times we would pull up a chair and let him sit down and watch us work. If it was sunny out, he would sit in the sun while we yeah. got to work. And it was a really nice location for a work area because it was the patio with a view of the lake and, you know, sunshine. And it's, mm-hmm. it's quite nice. So we enjoyed it. That whole process was fun. Tell me a little bit about building that initial wine list. What considerations did you make when you decided which wines to feature? Well, you have to buy wine through a distributor in Wisconsin. That's the law. And there are some great distributors here. I was kind of worried about that when we were moving here. You know, people that live on the West Coast oftentimes think, oh, you you know, the West Coast has everything. And it's pretty amazing. But when we got here and I started looking around and looking at different distributors' books, I was really impressed. A lot of the wines that I worked with in Portland, I was familiar with, and their European portfolios are pretty vast. So I looked through the portfolios and would go to wines that I knew. And then you can talk to the distributors and tell them what you would like to taste or what you're looking for. And then they bring you things that you can taste and you can see where does that fit into your set. So I really wanted to, again, focus on Europe. Because I think the winemakers have been doing things for multiple generations, sometimes like 13 generations. And so you get great wine for the price in some ways. Where in America, lots of times we can't do that because the cost of the land is just a lot more or labor and different things. So that was part of my thinking. And also I look at biodynamic and or organic winemakers or in the vineyard as well as in the winery. And lots of European winemakers just do that. They may not be certified organic or biodynamic, but they may practice that way. And I think a lot more people are moving that way. A lot of American winemakers do the same thing too. But I love European wines. And so I broke up my set, arranged by country, and I'm trying to have sort of, you know, the well-known varietals and then a couple of other varietals that people don't necessarily know about. So that if somebody says, oh, I really love Cabernet Sauvignon, which a lot of people do, I actually have a Cabernet Sauvignon from Argentina, which is rich and delicious and velvety. But, you know, I might have another blend that they wouldn't expect, like from Italy. And people may taste that and say, oh, that's pretty cool. Or try a different wine that they haven't had before. And they decide, oh, I want that instead of what I thought I wanted. So that part's fun. When you were putting together your wine list, did you communicate at all with the ladies over at Trixie's to talk with them? Um, I know that when Aaliyah had talked to you, you mentioned that being neighbors with Trixie's mm-hmm. has been a cool experience oh, and, yeah. and gave you the opportunity to feature stuff that they're not featuring and vice versa. Yes. When we first even conceived of this idea or thought about the idea before we even went to the yeah, we planning board. we went to talk board. to Sarah and just yeah. said, hey, what do you think? And she was because we really loved enthu- Trixie's. She was really enthusiastic. She said, oh, great. The more the merrier. Come on yeah. over. And I told her just our idea. She was very welcoming. And then as we got closer and we knew that we were going to do a bar, we did talk, you know, but I think there's so many wines in the world. It's not hard to find something different. And it's interesting because I love the wine list at Trixie. So we have similar taste. I could feature any of those same wines at Pearl, but we want to be unique. And I think Trixie's does such a great job. And honestly, really set the bar when they opened. Mike and Sarah just did an awesome job with the atmosphere and their list and the food. And so to be their neighbor has been great. 
and, you know, we've got other great neighbors, too, from Wilson's to Chef's Hat to the Coffee Lab. It's kind of fun now. I sort of like to call it the E from Diamond, you know, instead of the E from Triangle. Right. <laughs> uh, tell me a little bit about the small plates. How did the food side of it factor in when you guys were deciding what to do with Pearl Wine Cottage? Initially, at the very beginning, we thought a wine shop, because that was my experience, was working in wine retail. But you can't do that in Ephraim. There has to be a food component with the bar that you open in Ephraim. Well, not just Ephraim, in the state of Wisconsin. If you serve wine, you have to serve food, which is a good thing anyway. Right. So we wanted to take what we could do, because honestly, Lars and I were thinking, oh, we can do this all by ourselves. And, you know, on slow days, I think we can, just to have it be the two of us. Since I worked in this market, we did cheese boards and meat boards and had charcuterie and all sorts of cheeses. So we felt we could do that pretty easily. Wisconsin has amazing cheese, and there are also sources for European cheeses and meats. And that's classic, you know, kind of classic wine bar food and small plates. But we also wanted to kind of have something, if you put together a couple of things, you could have a meal. So we wanted to have a couple of sandwiches, but we want to keep things simple. Simple so that it's consistent and easy for us to produce and that people like it. And I think also simple ingredients kind of make the best food in many ways if it's not too crazy. So We were inspired when we were in San Sebastian, Spain. Remember about yeah. the pincho bars? Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell them about that? Cause... Oh, no. <laughs> so we went on a family vacation to Europe and each one of us, there are four of us, got to kind of pick where we got to go. And I wanted to go to San Sebastian because I'd heard so much about the wine and food scene there. And you really do literally walk, you know, from little bar to little bar. And on top of the bar are all these little pinchos, you know, piece of bread with shrimp or um, cheese or whatever, and all the jamon hanging up in places. And, and they're, they're on display for you to grab. So if you feel like having a little slice of bread with cheese and a little bit of meat on top, you just grab it. And the bartender puts a little mark on a piece of paper. and Or and somehow charge, keeps track. Somehow. <laughs> uh, later he charges you, but basically it's a buffet there. How have the first couple of weeks gone for you guys? Wow, it's been amazing. It's just been like way more than we ever expected. We had friends in from Portland and Chicago, and they said, we can be your guinea soft pigs, o- your soft, soft opening. O- yeah. And so they came in, and we went through, and they ordered stuff, and we went through the whole process, and that was really great. And I thought, oh, we'll have a couple of days to kind of reconvene. And then Lars and John and our son Karsten said, no, let's open tomorrow. So we did. And boy, it's been amazing. People have been coming and people have been coming back. And then with the Pulse article, wow, it's just been like, holy cow. Yeah, no, it's been great. <laughs> it's been really great. And a lot of a lot of positive reactions and people seem to just love hanging out and it's a, it's a great location. So they'll, they'll sit in the patio and, you know, friends will come walking by and a few four-legged friends as well. Yeah. And, you know, we're a tiny place. We have had people come in that have larger groups. Somehow it's always worked out. You know, people are, I think, are, are, flexible enough that they can stand, sit, or, you know, take over a corner or put a few tables together. And it's cozy, but good. How long do you guys plan on being open for this season? We are going to kind of see. We have to figure this out. Probably the end of October. Like I said before, the cottage is not winterized. Right. So there's a certain time when the uh, ground freezes (laughs) in Wisconsin. So I think that's our deadline, which usually is probably around uh, early to mid-November. Have you guys put any thought into next season and plans for how Pro Wine is going to evolve? I think we're learning a lot, and we haven't decided exactly when, probably mid-May, and then through as long as we can, and probably some longer hours in July, just because the sun will be out and later, and people come to watch the sunset in Ephraim, so 
We're hoping they'll swing by and have a glass of wine. You know, like everybody else in Door County, we'll be finding people to help us out. But I think we're looking forward to it. I think we're learning so much in these few weeks and we'll be ready to rock next year. There's one more thing I wanted to ask. So the name Pearl Wine Cottage comes from a special place. Can you tell me about where the name comes from? When my mother and father would come up to Door County, they were trying to figure out how they could live in such a beautiful place. Driving into Ephraim in particular, my mom would always say, oh my God, how can we live in this beautiful town? Well, they ended up buying the resort like I talked about before. But my mother would always used to say that Ephraim was the pearl of the peninsula. And so that stuck in my head about like how awesome that was about her phrasing of Ephraim as a kind of a quaint gem Mm -hmm. of the county. All the buildings are white. That's a tradition. Very cute the way it's laid out in the harbor. And we were looking at different names. We kept trying different things and nothing really fit. And one day it just sort of occurred to me and Lars and I talked about it. I was like, your mom used to say that Ephraim was the pearl of the peninsula. What about pearl? You know, it's this little cottage. It's white. It's kind of a, I'm hoping like a hidden gem, you know, in an unexpected place. And It's a way to honor Ellen because this is a family property, you know, and we're only here because of Lars's dad's generosity for letting us get in there and rip everything up. And Lisa's son, Miles, worked with us this summer and helped us out. And it's been really great. And so to be able to honor Ellen and have her be part of our venture by naming it Pearl, I think really means a lot to us. Absolutely. Uh, Where can people find out more about Pearl Wine Cottage? Are you on social media? We're on Facebook and Instagram at Pearl Wine Cottage. And then we have a website also, pearlwinecottage.com. Perfect. Thank you guys so much for coming in and chatting with me. Uh, Such a cool story, and I'm really excited for you guys. Thank Thank you you so so much. much for having us. For more Door County news, interviews, and exclusive content, check us out at doorcountypulse.com or pick up this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse available every Friday. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast to get new episodes delivered straight to your device twice a week. Thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast.